Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to our program, Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships in the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, Chairman of the Board of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And as you know, uh, the Family Sanctuary focuses on many, many pro-life issues. Of course, everything having to do with the family is pro-life, right? (laughs) That's God's plan. And uh, so we've got a particularly important program today because, um, and it's it's a topic that doesn't get a lot of attention, uh, and that's the area of infertility. Uh, so many couples are facing infertility. If I'm not mistaken, uh, one out of four couples uh, or one out of five actually has an infertility issue. And um, some of that is, is a female infer- infertility, some is male infertility. But what we often don't hear uh, is is how that really affects the feelings uh, of the people involved and, and how then that affects their relationship and the whole dynamic of the family. And uh, it's a very, very difficult issue, and many people don't like to talk about it, that's for sure. <laughs> but we have a wonderful guest this morning who not only has experienced infertility, uh, but is very willing to share, and, and the Lord has really moved her and her husband to uh, make this a real ministry. Uh, so so we welcome Dr. Kimberly Henkel to the program today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly. Well, Kimberly is the co-founder of Springs in the Desert now uh, as a result of her experience of infertility. It's a ministry dedicated to spiritually and emotionally uh, supporting those who are struggling with infertility and, and loss. So uh, as with so many things, the suffering that we go through the Lord uses to really not only allow us to come to healing, but also help others as well. And it's a beautiful part of Kimberly's story, and I'm eager for her to share it. Uh, Kimberly is also founder of a new initiative called Springs of Love, which is a ministry to encourage, educate, and equip Catholics to discern and live out the call to foster and adopt, which, as you might have guessed, is part of Kimberly's story (laughs) of how God provided healing and, and hope. Uh, and 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 new fruitfulness that was through fostering and adoption. And in the programs that Kimberly has founded, she brings a, a wealth of a not only personal experience, but also understanding and uh, of of our Catholic faith and of what the Church teaches on these important issues. She holds a PhD in moral theology uh, and ethics with a focus on bioethics from the Catholic University of America, and she also has a master's degree in theology from the John Paul II Institute. So it's wonderful to see that combination of 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 expertise <laughs> in in helping understand what our church teaches uh, about sure. these issues, as well as her personal experience. So again, welcome, Kimberly. Well, thank you so much. It's great to have you on the program. Um, so we're going to focus uh, this program, and in fact, we've planned another program with Kimberly. So if you've enjoyed her story, uh, look on the archives for the second program that we're also 
focusing on uh, issues of healing within the family. Um, But today we're going to talk about primarily about her personal story. Um, at first of all, the the surprise and disappointment in uh, understanding and realizing she had an infertility problem, uh, the feelings of isolation and a kind of abandonment uh, and, and need for companionship, you know, in that journey. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the new path that God opened up to her. So uh, let's start, Kimberly, with with. Well, how did you, if I recall your story, um, you were married somewhat later uh, sure. in, in, in life uh, and just expected, of course, that uh, you would be able to have a, a family in, in um, I guess you'd say, the way that often uh, occurs, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but not always for couples, as we just mentioned. Right. So tell us about that. And, sure. and how did you feel when you realized that you had an infertility problem? Sure. So um, my husband and I met in grad school at the JP2 Institute for studies on marriage and family. Yay. So <laughs> we were hoping that we were just going to rock that vision of the Catholic family out. You know, we were going to just... You were going to be know. that example. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We were so, you know, we were doing everything right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just thought God's going to bless us and give us lots of children. And... Um, my husband had really devoted his life to working for the church. I had wow. gone and gotten my, well, I was actually in the midst of getting my doctorate when we got married. Um, I was giving talks about the problems of artificial reproductive technologies. So I was already, that was sort of a niche. That was sort of an interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you knew that wasn't God's plan for couples, I, the yes, artificial right, uh, right. technologies. And so many people just, they don't understand it. Right. And they feel like the church it, should be allowing this that mm-hmm. church is just you know anti-science and which is and we're talking about things like in vitro fertilization right, and right uh all the kind of um unnatural means of of conceiving children which often results in uh, aborting some of the uh, embryos after they've been implanted or i mean it can uh, sure right. i mean there's so many problems with that so you knew that that was not going to be a path certainly <laughs> certainly right and um you know, just going on and, you know, we went to the John Paul II. So it's all about theology of the body mm-hmm. and the beauty of God's design sure. for sexuality. So um, so when we got married, um, now I had only, it's funny, I, I became Catholic um, just a couple years. Like I, I became Catholic the year that I started at the JP2 Institute, which is kind <laughs> of a little crazy. But uh, I was so excited about my newfound faith sure. that I just wanted to learn everything. So I, I started with a master's in theology. That's a good place to go. <laughs> and um, and so then, you know, we met and ended up getting married. And, um, and you know, his brothers have lots of children. And, you know, we were just kind of hoping that was going to be our story. Or expecting. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I speak about how every child is a gift. So we can't, you know, expect a child. But, um, you know, the, the child is always a gift. Right. Um, so so we we understood that but it was very surprising to find out that we could not conceive uh, month after month um it was just like that renewed sense of grief every single month you know and i, I can't even say how many pregnancy tests i bought mm-hmm. you know just always like checking well maybe oh i feel a little off oh maybe this is the month you know i think i feel a little nauseous and just like hyper vigilant almost with you know what am I feeling? Is it possible that I'm pregnant? 
and and continuously it was just always a negative mm-hmm. um so that was very discouraging it was very hard on our marriage because i think that we had such expectations that um i mean i said you know the child is a gift which absolutely but there was this expectation that it would not just be the two of us, right. <laughs> you know, that there would be some more. We'd at least uh, get one gift. <laughs> I know. So, so that put a lot of pressure on the marriage, sure. I think. Um, and a strain, you know, just, and, and I think also with, you know, God, where are you? Why are you not blessing us? Mm-hmm. We did everything right. Mm-hmm. You know, like here, I've had this big conversion. Mm-hmm. I've given my life to you and my husband has as well and we're doing all the things you know mm-hmm. like why mm-hmm. we're following your way sure why are we not getting pregnant yeah. um and did you did you go through some infertility studies at that point well yes yeah, so because we, that's another definitely uh, very so we, stressful journey i've heard so many couples sharing on that the testing and the oh it was yeah it was and mm-hmm. so we did the napro technology which is a gift of mm-hmm. course you know mm-hmm. to really be able to understand our bodies and what's going on um we did all the testing and and then different hormonal supplementation and injections and you know mm-hmm. the, the the path but a, a lot of that you know can cause a lot of emotional um you know i guess Turmoil. Turmoil, mm-hmm. yes. really. And, and of course, you're still, as you expressed earlier, every time when your monthly cycle comes around, you're hoping and praying and hypervigilant, as you say, maybe, you know, maybe this time. Right. As you go through those kinds of infertility treatments, it's very, very stressful, I know. Definitely. And then I think another major aspect of the, the pain and suffering was just the isolation. I felt like I was the only person in my church that was struggling with this. Mm-hmm. We had... You know, a lot of people in our parish got married very young. You know, we had moved from Washington, D.C., where people don't get married until their late 30s or 40s. <laughs> and here we moved to this sweet little town, Mount Vernon, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the couples, you know, they got married in their early 20s and sure. had, were able to have, you know, large families. And um, so I just felt like I don't know who to hang out with. So like most of my friends became those whose children were, they were empty nesters. Their children had already left home um, because mm-hmm. I just felt like I, I couldn't really relate to the couples with children because so much of their lives just kind of revolved around their children. Sure, yeah. So that was another aspect of just feeling, you know, I don't, you know, don't, we don't really belong mm-hmm. and just feeling like we didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if I recall your story, uh, God, God sent you, was it to a conference where you met an old friend who was also going through the same issues. Yes. yes. It was amazing. God's plan again. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I I reconnected with a friend from grad school who'd also gone to the JP2 Institute and she herself, um, well, I I was just talking with her at dinner and I said, oh, you know, we've had a kind of a rough time. We've just been struggling with infertility. And she said, you too? She's like, I, she, she had not told anybody. She was so private about her suffering, which is is very frequently the case is that people don't want to share how much they're suffering Mm -hmm. and they don't let let on how difficult it is when people come up to them and they're like so when are you guys going to start a family Mm -hmm. so what's happening you know what what's going on and i mean Anne even had people say to her once she started talking a little bit more about it so which one of you is the problem Mm. and so you know it, it that was you know very sad sometimes, sure. you know, 
Um, often but, caring people right. say the wrong thing. Right. Isn't it amazing how often we do yes. that? And I do too. So yeah. I, you know, I try, I have grace, you know, yeah. there's lots of grace for all of those things. But, but um, I've, I've learned particularly that's happened so often when someone has died and you're trying to oh, right. relieve Absolutely. that suffering. And always the best thing to say for those listening who may, who may uh, know someone who is also suffering from infertility, the best thing to say is I'm sorry for your how much you're suffering. Yes. I'm sorry for your loss, they yes. say. Yes. It is a very good thing to say when someone has died and it sounds to me like in the case of of knowing someone is suffering from infertility saying I'm so sorry you're suffering Absolutely. from that. I'm yes. so sorry. I I and again it shows empathy for that right. feeling that you're experiencing that's really the best thing that people can say right or you know i love you um yeah i'll I'm be praying, praying for, you. for you yes right. absolutely and you yeah. know and and i'll get to it in a few minutes but speaking about our ministry springs in the desert is a great way to sort of say you know, there's this there's this ministry that has started. Now there's that, some help. Yeah, there's something because there there wasn't at the time when I was going That's through this. Right. So, so anyway, Anne and I started talking, and and we ended up writing an we were invited to write an academic article about um, infertility and the suffering. And at the end of it, we realized, you know, we need to start something. Mm -hmm. You know, because both of us just felt like, where is the church on this? You mm -hmm. know, the church is our mother. Mm -hmm. Like, where is the church mothering us, mm -hmm. you know, through our grief? Mm -hmm. um, so this is how we started Springs in the Desert. That's wonderful. So, and did you, you must have started Springs in the Desert then, before, according to, to your story here, before God provided other paths for that fruitfulness for you. Is that correct? Actually, um, you know, we started talking about Springs in the Desert years earlier than we actually launched it. You um, knew it was needed. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But um, no, at this point, actually, we had actually already adopted our our triplets, you know, <laughs> triplets. They, well, um, tell us about that story. So yes. how did God... Open this new path to you. Yes, it was just... Were you pursuing adoption? Is that well, point, did you decide that this is the path that we need to, to follow or that we want to follow? God wants us to follow? Well, I had determined that, but my husband hadn't yet. And mm -hmm. so, and that's kind of a common experience. You know, yeah. he was like, let's just keep trying. Let's keep <laughs> trying. And I was like... As you're going <laughs> through the infertility dream. Uh, let, let me reintroduce you, Kimberly, in okay. case someone has just joined our program. Program. Our guest today is Dr. Kimberly Henkel. She's the co-founder of Springs in the Desert, a ministry dedicated to spiritually and emotionally accompanying those struggling with infertility and loss. And uh, she also has phenomenal academic credentials, PhD in moral theology from, uh, with a focus on bioethics from Catholic University of America, a master's in theology from John Paul II Institute. So she brings her heartfelt personal experience to this ministry, uh, as well as a phenomenal understanding of the church's teachings and uh, the beauty of our faith uh, into this whole arena. So anyway, we're talking about, we've, we've talked about, uh, she's given a powerful testimony of the suffering and loneliness that, that accompanies uh, understanding uh, that, that you are infertile. 
uh, or that you and your husband are infertile and and then struggling with the loneliness and the the need for accompaniment there, which has not been up until very recently uh, available in in our church in a a real accessible way. And now we're focusing in on how God opened the path of of fruitfulness to Kimberly and her husband. So tell us about this this, uh, open door to adopting triplets, did you say? (laughs) Well, they're almost triplets. So so, yeah, we started, you know, my husband was a little bit more hesitant, but so I said, well, let's just kind of research, you know, and so we looked into a lot of different things, international, domestic, public, private, attorneys, agencies. I mean, it's very, it's mind boggling, really. Um, But we settled on like, let's just take baby steps and start with foster care. Mm-hmm. These are children in our community that are in need of parents. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start there. Um, so we started out that path. And, um, and I mean, it was a lot bumpier than that, actually, I should say. We did try other <laughs> things and... and and, and doors were closing. So mm-hmm. so we started out the foster care path and it was really surprising. I think um, we enjoyed the classes. We did not expect that we would enjoy them. Um, a lot of good, you know, we, we just felt like there was a lot of really good parenting um, skills that we learned mm, and good. a lot of people of faith, um, Christians teaching classes that were you know, very much in line with, uh, you know, our oh, this view. was not a religious no, agency it was through you were the dealing state. with. Through the state. Okay, and wonderful. I, That's we were very great. impressed with our classes. We suddenly, like our minds were just expanded so much to to see the needs of the children, mm-hmm. to see the needs of the birth families, um, to, to really just see how... Um, how we could actually really make a difference in the lives of so many people, so many children and, and their, like their families as well. Um, there's so many hurting families out there sure, and people who just, you know, are coming from all sorts of trauma and abuse, addiction, um, it just unhealthy families mm-hmm. and they don't know how to parent mm-hmm. and they're just overwhelmed. Sure. And um, so they end up in the, in the system and, you know, it, it can just be, it can be obviously devastating to a child to be just kind of taken from home to home to home. Right. So, um, so yeah, we started out that path and, um, and they knew because we had never parented before, they really wanted to match us with, with a, an infant, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and we said, we, we actually said we'd be open to taking all ages. We said that, but they were like, eh, you know, like <laughs> you have no parents. I was like, we'll take a sibling group. Like we'll take like ch- four kids. We'll take them. Luckily and, someone was smarter than you to start out. Right. <laughs> yes. I, I tend to be like pretty intense. Just like, jump in. Oh, with yes, both hands exactly. And right. I mean, I, I was like, I'm going to get a doctorate in theology. I just finished our CIA and became yeah, Catholic. Right. So, so um, you did say you you decided to take baby steps, and that was not like you. Usually, yeah, you were exactly. taking the giant steps. Well, I have a husband who is a much like and slower, and we you see know. how God puts opposites know, right? together for some wonderful it's, reason. It's isn't very it? true. Yes, <laughs> okay. yes. So um, I, I know. I mean, we never got that call. You know, our our caseworker was like, "I am only approving you for two children." I was like, "What?" <laughs> Two, but we'll take three. How about three? I was like negotiating with her. She's like, no, I'm not putting you down for three children. So, so um, after actually, it took a couple years for us to be called. Uh-huh. Um, 
And we got the phone call and they said, we have a little baby boy. He's about to be born in a few days. Um, do you want him? We're just like, oh my gosh. My husband's like, I don't know. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You don't know? Yes, yes, yes. They were like, you have one hour oh, to no. decide. Oh, dear. One hour. Oh. And my husband's like, I don't know. What if he goes back? This is going to be too hard. Yeah. I was like, no, we are saying yes. We're, you know, like, <laughs> let's say yes. And so then he took the leap of faith and said yes. Oh. And so then we brought our little mm -hmm. sweet son home. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was it was a surprising story that, I mean, really, we got to adopt him very quickly. Wow. Um, And so that was really, and, and that was, again, a little bit of a roller coaster because yeah. it was sort of not exactly certain that that was going to happen. And of course, you had to be prepared or thought you were probably prepared if that child was placed back in the birth family. Well, you, you know, you, you thought maybe, but that would have been so difficult for your first. Oh, it would have. would have happened. It would have. But, but I'll tell you, I just was like trusting in God. And, sure. and the moment I brought that sweet baby home, I held him in my arms and I was rocking him and I was overwhelmed with this sense of grace and the sense that this child was truly God's child. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm taking care of God's baby. <laughs> and it, it was like, it was, it was remarkable. And I was just so grateful that he was with me rather than his birth mother, who was not going to be able to care for him the way that I could at that moment. Yeah. So even if he were to go back, I, I became actually grateful just for every moment I had with him. And just that sense of you know, I'm just going to love him exactly how he needs to be loved. I'm going to bond with for him. For the time that we have yeah, him. For yeah, as much, right. for as long, because right. no every child belongs to God. Sure. Every child, he can take any of our children at any moment. They're mm -hmm. his. Well, I'm just thinking, Kimberly, because of course, this is leading to your founding of Springs in the Desert to, to accompany people struggling with this. Uh, and then now your new ministry, uh, Springs of Love, to help people uh, who are discerning whether they should foster to adopt or, or adopt. Um, yes. All of this experience, I'm sure your insights are so valuable to couples struggling with this. Well, tell me, did, did, how did the other two children then, uh, because we've only got a few more minutes, sure. I want to know how, how did you end up with the three and now you have four? I know, it's remarkable. <laughs> That's God. <laughs> but um, I, I was actually giving a talk um, about how every child is a gift at, at my parish. <laughs> and my husband, um, literally the night before, was like, I think it's time for us to adopt again. Hmm. And so that day I was at, um, I was I was getting ready to give a talk and I ran into this old friend of my, an acquaintance. We weren't very close, but I really, you know, enjoyed her. And I said, how are you? And she said, oh, I'm getting ready to get custody of my twin um, granddaughters and I need to find somebody to adopt them. Oh my god. And I was like, we will take them. <laughs> I said, we'll take them. And she's like, well, I have quite a few people interested. And I was like, can I come meet them tomorrow? Can I come? <laughs> she's like, okay. So um so I gave my talk and um at the end of the talk she came up to me and she's like, you know, those girls belong with you. Because I was talking about how every child is a gift. So so then I had to tell my husband. I was like, so guess what? <laughs> Said, I'm just, honey, I'm just trying to fulfill your wish and desire that you expressed last night. Was, I'm bringing home two. I said, we're getting twins. And he goes, Twi no, 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 not twins. Just one. Just one. I'm like, no, twins. Twins. He's like, no, no, just one. So, um, so then he met them and obviously fell completely in love with them. And sure. yeah, so, so you had your little boy and your them. twin daughters. Yeah, so they're just five months apart. Uh huh. And so, then what about the third? And then what about the fourth? The littlest. Uh, 
JP, he um, he was our foster child. And so when the kids, when the triplets were all four years old, we um, we received another sweet baby boy. And we really didn't know. As we a were, foster child. Yeah, as a foster yeah. child. And we didn't know if we'd get to adopt him. But mm-hmm. we just, oh, we enjoyed him. And it was such a great experience for my children to get to meet his birth mother mm-hmm. and see her tears mm-hmm. and to be able to explain to them, like, this is how it was with your birth mothers. Like, mm-hmm. this is heartbreaking. Sure. You know, this is hard for her. And so, you know, they could understand a little bit more of their story. Sure. And that's wonderful that you can be open with them on that because my husband and I are parents of two adopted infants, uh, not as close together as yours. And we also went through infertility and uh, were able to adopt two infants who are now in their 40s and we have five grandchildren. (laughs) But the stories of their birth mothers and what their birth mothers experienced, we were able to house pregnant girls uh, for about 15 years. So half of the mothers that we housed made adoption plans and our children became very, very pro-adoption because they saw the love of those birth mothers who had um, made adoption plans and and seeing having your children seeing the love of the birth mothers that were unable to continue parenting their children is such a beautiful thing. I love that about what you're doing, Kimberly. Well, so tell us then now now you you founded Springs in the Desert while your children were were being adopted, of course, uh, to help others who were suffering with uh, infertility loss. And then you realized uh, Springs of Love was needed (laughs) to help more people really be open to fostering and adoption, which was such a beautiful path. Right. Absolutely. Well, Springs in the Desert, really, we wanted to be able to accompany those who were struggling with infertility and to allow them to really know God's love for them. Because so many times, you know, people are feeling abandoned or punished Mm -hmm. by God. Mm -hmm. So, so that's why we created Springs in the Desert and the ministry is really taking off. Mm -hmm. We're doing retreats all over the country and, (laughs) and some of them are virtual, right? Yeah, we do virtual and in person. That's amazing to me that being able to experience some of this, even virtually is so helpful. Oh, yes. yeah. And yeah. and we have a podcast and, and lots of different opportunities. That's Springs in the Desert. Yeah. Okay. Springs in the Desert. Uh-huh. Org. <laughs> Springs then, in the Desert. Org. And then we, you know, we just started this new kind of a sister organization called Springs of Love. So it's separate because not every not everybody struggling with infertility is going to be called to adopt. Sure. But we, we you know, and we really wanted to open it up to all Catholics, you mm-hmm. know, to, to really discern that if they're called to mm-hmm. foster and adopt. And of course, even Catholics who have their own biological children, Absolutely. you know, can be called to foster and adopt as that's well. Right. Yeah. That's so right. that's beautiful. Well, Kimberly, it's just been such a pleasure to to meet you, to hear your story. I wish you could see Kimberly as she's talking. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the fire of the Holy Spirit in her and also just her 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 compassion for those who are suffering the way she and her husband did, and then the excitement and joy of being able to help provide healing and uh, help other people realize the doors that God may be opening. So Kimberly, I hope they could hear that in your voice. I could also see it in your face. So it's been a beautiful uh, testimony. um, And and thank you so much for sharing. And we are going to have another program with Kimberly Henkel. You can find it in our archives about other 
emerging ministries that are really helping with healing uh, in our families, which is so desperately needed. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Thank you for uh, listening to The Family Sanctuary today. And uh, you are listening to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio with archives at stgabrielradio.com under The Family Sanctuary. We're streaming live on St. Gabriel Radio. And our program is broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.